0: Testing live to the world. Now, now. it's Sheila This is a very sinister Luciferian eugenics time. These spineless weasels preach what people want to hear. They replace repentance with dreams of the good life. Dying daily, taking up your cross, suffering and sacrificing have been superseded with Name It and Claim It, Sheila Zelensky. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning into the Sheila Zelensky Show. I've got a very special guest on today. But before I jump into the program, I just I want to remind everyone to get the book that released last month. It is called Technogeddon, The Coming Human Extinction. Please do fill out a review on Amazon. You can very simply go to sheilazelensky.com and click on Books. Oh, I'm getting a lot of feedback on that book so please do get yourself a copy and while you're over there on books do not forget to pick up a copy of Power Prayers Warfare That Works written by myself and Carla Butod who is my guest today and she's got a lot to cover so Carla I'm just gonna hand you the mic and you get into this teaching this is gonna be a very powerful show so I'll hand you the mic you jump into it take it away Carla
1: okay well actually I've had kind of a an unusual week for me, a very emotional week, and I wanted to share it with you because along with that is a passionate plea for the lives of God's people. It's going to involve making some decisions for your life, for the lives of your family, spiritual decisions, those of you who who have heard me before know that my heart is really in spiritual warfare and deliverance. But tonight is going to be a little different than what I normally do. And here is what happened. I'm just going to share a testimony with you. July the 19th, we had a new grandbaby, a baby girl. A few days after she was born, they realized that she was not getting proper oxygen. She was already at home. My son is a doctor. But the fact that he is a doctor sometimes has us on opposite ends of the spectrum in our opinions. In fact, I was shocked he became a doctor because he was raised up in the house with my husband and me. And we have trusted the Lord for every single thing in our lives. And the very first thing that God dealt with me about when I got saved. I mean, I wasn't even in a church when I got saved. And so I began to seek the Lord in salvation, and I've been walking with the Lord since 1977. I mean, I would go to God for everything. I even asked Him, you know, I don't even know where to start in this Bible. I had read the Bible off and on for years, couldn't understand it, meant nothing to me, didn't speak to me. So it was a struggle when I would try to read the Bible. But when I got saved, I asked the Lord, where should I start reading? And He led me to the book of James. And after I began to read it, I understood why he led me to James, because it talks about the tongue, and I had (laughs) a mouth, okay? So, that really spoke to me, really showed me that I needed to watch the words that came out of my mouth, because it says in James that the words we speak, the tongue sets on fire the course of nature. And I learned that very early on, there were just some small things that happened, but They were huge teachers to me. And I'll just share one of them with you. I was a young girl when I saw this happen. My mother had this um, Pyrex double boiler. And she would, Thanksgiving and Christmas, she would melt cheese in this double boiler and pour it over cauliflower and broccoli. So my cousin was standing there watching this water boil. And Pyrex, it was glass. It was clear glass on an electric stove. And that glass pot was on the stove, boiling. And my cousin, who is the same age as I am, she was standing there saying, and we must have been nine or ten. And she was like, seems like that pot would break. It just seems like you shouldn't be able to boil water in a glass pot. I just don't understand how that water is boiling and it's not breaking the pot. And I mean, about the third time she said it, the bottom blew out of the bottom of that pot. It just shattered, and the mess went everywhere. I always, I mean, I made a mental note of that. Gosh, that is so bizarre that she was just saying it, and then it happened. And then another time, my grandmother used to come stay with me after school and stuff. She would never let me go down the street to my friend's house. And if my friend came to my house, we couldn't go in my bedroom. That's not where you entertain friends. She would make us sit in the living room with her. Well, that was a drag. And year after year of this, I was really getting kind of tired of it. And I remember sitting down on my bed angry. My friend went home, and I was in my bedroom by myself. And I plopped down on my bed, and I said, I will be so glad when she is dead and gone. Now, I didn't really want my grandmother to die. You know, I was just being a brat. But it wasn't just a few days later that my grandmother was in the hospital dying. You know, I just said that with my mouth, and now she's dying. So I learned very early on that, yes, the words of our mouth will set on fire the course of nature. When we are anywhere, we have angels around us and we have demons around us, depending on who's in the room. But they're there. And as Hebrews one fourteen says, that they are given to to minister for those who shall receive salvation. So they're standing around waiting. The demons are waiting for instruction. The angels are waiting for instruction. So when you say something that is negative and harmful, the angels are not going to go do that, but the demons pick it up and they go do that. And it sets on fire the course of nature. Very powerful. Also in James, where it said, if you be a hearer and not a doer, You deceive your own selves. So I made a mental note of that. Okay, I'm reading this Bible, and it says that if I'm just a hearer or a reader of it, but I don't do it, then I deceive my own self. That sounds counterproductive, doesn't it? (laughs) You don't want to deceive your own self. Over in James 5.14, it said, If any among you are sick, let them call on the elders of the church, be anointed with oil, pray the prayer of faith confessing your faults one to another that you might be healed okay so when I read that at that time I was a young mother I had three babies I had three babies in three years they were always sick you know I was always having to take them to the doctor and we were a one income family and that really put us in a strain so when I read that scripture that if anyone gets sick Did I just call on the elders of the church? Now, at this time, we had started going to church. But I had never, ever seen anybody lay hands on somebody. I had never, ever seen anybody be anointed with oil and prayed for to get well. I'd never seen that. But when I read it, it sounded fantastic. I just said, Lord, would it be wonderful if that's the way it was? And immediately I heard, what do you mean if, Carla? This is my word, and you either believe it or you don't. Okay, Lord, if it's in your word, I'm going to believe it. And not only am I going to believe it, I'm going to do it because I don't want to deceive my own self. So that day, I made a decision. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with powers, principalities, rulers of darkness, and spiritual wickedness in high places. I'm going to talk about that Tonight, spiritual wickedness in high places. Okay, so I have the grandbaby. Last Friday, I got a text from my son saying we're on our way to the hospital because her oxygen is too low. I have made my thoughts, my beliefs, my opinions known to my son. He knows them very well, but I know that because he is a doctor, he believes. Everything that the medical community says, the AMA, the CDC, all of these things. And we are a year and a half, maybe even a little more into this craziness in our world that we've never seen before. A worldwide crisis And that brings me to the memory of when God told me back in 2011, we had a year of drought, lots of crazy wind. It was like nothing I've ever seen before. And I was driving down the highway, and we live in a national forest, so the trees were close to the highway. And the wind was blowing so erratically that I'm looking out of my windshield up at the treetops, and I said, Lord, what in the world is this? And I heard the warfare between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of dark is intensifying. Now, this was in 2011. And you're going to start seeing things you've never seen before and hearing things you've never heard before. That was the end of it and then something would come along and top it. Oh my goodness, this is this is what God was talking about. And then COVID comes along and I'm like, "Oh my goodness, this is what God was talking about." But it just keeps going on and on and on. So we are a year and a half into this. And I remember, I remember well because that February of 2020, I had gone to a women's conference at Lake Hamilton. And I came home with a sore throat. There were a couple of people at the camp that were coughing and sniffling. And, you know, I've never been afraid of sickness because God let me know a long time ago that He can heal me if I get sick. But later He said to me, Not only can I heal you when you get sick, I can keep you. And I said, I'll take it. I receive that for myself. I receive it for my children. I receive it for my husband. And I'm telling you, we lost our health insurance. And we had little bitty kids. It was 1988. And so we have lived all this time with no health insurance, nor did we need it. Because my trust was in the Lord and standing on the word that he told me. Now, when my son became a doctor, he began to nag me because he was in medical school. And he would study colon cancer and the colonoscopies. When you turn 50, you should start getting colonoscopies. And he would nag me about that because I was not having those things done. And I told him one day after many lectures from him, listening to many statistics on breast cancer and mammograms and colon cancer and all these different things that he wanted us to do routinely which we've never done any of them. And I finally just told him one day, he was giving me statistics on breast cancer, mammograms, when it's detected early, your chances of living are this, when it's detected at this time, your chances of dying are this. And after it was all done, I said, okay, I've heard your statistics. Now I want to hear the statistic of women who never had a mammogram and never had breast cancer. Well, he didn't have that statistic. I said, well, that's the group I'm in. I said, and I'm glad that you love me enough to want me to do these things, but wait, you were not there the day God told me that not only could he heal me when I got sick, but that he could keep me and he has kept me. And I'm tired of the lectures. And he said, okay, mom, I I won't do it anymore. You're right. I wasn't there. I said, and if I have to believe God and stand on his word or believe you and stand on the things that you're telling me, I'm sorry. You're going to lose every time because I'm going to believe what God told me. I'm 67. Mike is 69. The nurse called me one day, the Medicare nurse. She's going to come out to my house. She's going to send a nurse out to my house. And I went, my house? What for? She said, well, we want to come and explain your medications. And I said, we don't take any medications. We don't have one prescription medicine in this house. Let's just do this. If I come to a time that I have a need for you, I'll call you. (laughs) And she said, okay. So, you know, I'm not used to... Following the world's protocol, and I'm not judging anybody who does this. I mean, that is, we all have to live out our own convictions. But God made me; He made me. And it's like I told my brother one time: "You're driving this brand new Ford truck. When it breaks down, are you going to take it to the Volkswagen people?" He said, "No, I take it to the Ford people." Exactly. God made my body, and when I have a problem. I go to Him. He made me. He knows. He knows what's in me. He knows everything about me, and I trust Him with my body. I don't trust man. I read my Bible like it is a will. If I was left an inheritance, I would read that thing to see what was coming to me, right? And if we got an inheritance from somebody and we went to collect it, if they said, well, you know what? You've got this, 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 and this, but I'm only going to let you have this. We wouldn't stand for that for a second. We would fight it tooth and nail because our inheritance belongs to us and we should have every bit of it. Well, that's the way I feel about the Bible. I see what God says belongs to me and I want all of it. I've seen over the years, people become Christians, and then they go to church every Sunday. If they're not feeling well, on Monday, they call the doctor. If they need money for something, they go to the bank. If they've got mental problems, they go to the psychiatrist. That's what I did. People that had problems, they went to the psychiatrist. I did that for seven months when I was in the depth of a four-year, very serious depression. He didn't help me at all. He did not have the cure. I couldn't take his medicine. It made me go to sleep immediately. And I had three babies to take care of. The dark cloud that was always around me, nobody wanted to be around that. So I didn't have any friends. I had alienated myself. But I could go to a psychiatrist and pay him $90 an hour. That's how much it was at the time. Just to listen to me. And one time my husband jokingly said something about how much money it took to go to the psychiatrist. And I said, Well, if you would have listened to me, I wouldn't have had to pay somebody. (laughs) I mean, it was just a really sad situation. But that's what we do. We have compartmentalized our God that we serve into a Sunday, Wednesday experience instead of it being a lifestyle one of the scriptures that came to me in first king 18 21 and elijah came unto all the people and said how long halt ye between two opinions if the lord be god follow him but if baal then follow him and the people answered him not a word and you remember he set up the altar he told the pagans to set up their altar They called on their God. Nothing happened. I mean, they're cutting themselves with stones and all kinds of nonsense trying to get their gods to move. Elijah depended on God. And fire came down from heaven and lit that altar and the sacrifice and the water in the trench and burned up everything. And God proved himself. I believe that we are coming into some times, we are getting down to the nitty-gritty. This is not the time to be on the fence. Jesus tells us in Revelation, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou were cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And that's what I'm talking about, making a decision. Who are we going to trust when it comes right down to it, who are we going to trust? We've had divisions in many areas coming at us in this time. The critical race theory, all these different things that are dividing us one side or the other. Now we're being divided as the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. I mean, where is it going to end? If you don't have on a mask, they're looking at you mean. If you I told my husband, if there was another planet to go to, I would sign up for it. But guess what? There isn't any other planet to go to. This is is where we all are living together. But in 2007, God told me to stop being polite to the devil. And that was a shock to me. There was a situation that happened in our home, and I was furious about it. Our son, who has been in and out of jail, spent a year in prison, he just, you know, was in rebellion. He wasn't living at the house, but he would drop by sometimes. But it was always either after we were in bed or right at bedtime, and he would bring somebody in the house with him. Now, we had told him, you are not to bring anybody to our house after 9 o'clock in the evening, and don't even come if you're going to come after we're in bed. Okay, so he came before we were in bed. In fact, we were just turning off the lights and stuff to go to bed. He comes, and he brings a person in with him that was scary. I'll just say it like that. It was a girl, but she was scary looking. She had jet black hair A black overcoat, black boots, black pants, black fingernail polish, piercings and chains hanging everywhere there could be. He comes in the house. My husband had walked outside, and then he came in and told me Kyle wants to come in and take a shower. And he wants this girl to wait for him up in his bedroom. Well, I wasn't for any of that. And we had discussed it, him not bringing people there. Before we could even say anything, he walks in the house. And introduces us to this girl. And I was furious. I was angry at him. I hardly slept that night. And I got up the next morning. And I was praying. And I said, Lord, you know me. I don't want to go through things twice. So I need to know how to deal with that situation. So that it doesn't happen again. And that's when he said, you need to stop being polite to the devil. And I was like, what? You're too polite to the devil. And as I sat there and thought about it, there would have been nothing in the world wrong when he walked in and introduced her to say, hi, nice to meet you. But listen, we've told Kyle not to bring people here after nine o'clock, so I'm sorry, you'll have to wait in your car. Nothing in the world wrong with that. But you know what? We have been taught that we've got to be nice to the point that we are nice to the devil. We let the devil get away with way too much stuff in our lives, trying to be nice. And guess what? The devil knows that Christians know that they should be nice, and he takes advantage of us. So I'm getting a lot bolder about not being polite to the devil. That's kind of the situation I feel like I'm in at this time in the history of our earth right now. So, the baby is going to the hospital. I am upset, of course, that the baby is having to go to the hospital. But the question in the back of my mind was the vaccine. I knew my son had taken it in December. He told me when he went back to work, he was going to have to take it. I didn't know if his wife had had the shot or not. There was seemingly no reason that this newborn baby should be having low oxygen. He said, I've already laid hands on her and prayed for her, but would you also be praying? I said, absolutely, praying now. Okay, so my husband and I prayed for the baby, and we've continued to pray for the baby. She is still on oxygen. They didn't put her in the hospital because there were only a couple of beds left, and there was a lot of COVID in the hospital. This was in Utah. They diagnosed it as RSV. Now, RSV is a viral sickness, infirmity that strikes little babies. I was, of course, asking friends to be in prayer for her. And one of my friends that lives in Tennessee sent me a headline from a children's hospital in Tennessee. They had seen an influx suddenly, of RSV in infants. They had had more in the month of July than they've had in the first six months of 2021. And of course, I know that many of you out there have seen lots of videos. Frankly, I'm I'm, I'm about done with the videos. You know, I've heard enough. I know what it's all about. We know enough. I really got to the opinion that this is a person's personal choice whether to get the vaccine or not. It's really none of my business if my neighbor gets it or not. But people have made it everybody's business as to who has the vaccine. I had decided early on, I'm not taking it. I've never taken any vaccines because I was trusting God with our health and everything. I mean, I just think it's unnatural for a newborn baby to come out of the mother that safe place and then they start sticking needles in them. That is cruel. I have never understood that. Now, I was just telling a friend the other day about autism. Back in the 70s, it was like one in 10,000 births there would be a case of autism. Do you know what it is today? One in seven That is outrageous! Now, I have prayed for one little boy that got healed. God had shown me a prayer about arrested development. It was really for my son. But when this child was presented, God said, he's a prisoner of war. And his affliction, which the mother told me, because I, I went over to say hello to the little boy. I knelt down, and she whipped around and said, oh, oh, he doesn't understand what you're saying. He's, he's autistic. I continued to talk to him and told him how glad I was that he was there. And, you know, just whatever came to my mind to talk to that little boy about it. And She turned around. She said, did you hear me? He can't comprehend. He's got autism. Now, I also thought the little boy was blind. It just broke my heart. So when God told me that, I prayed for the little boy. And six months later, now he was in special ed at school. She said, he's talking, he's memorizing songs and learning to read, and he's going to regular school this year. Now that was a miracle. And we're going to need lots of miracles. When all of this is said and done, The injuries are going to be many. There have been deaths. There have been heart attacks, strokes. Women have miscarried their babies. Children have died. And this has happened to many people. Okay, so the vaccine has become a bone of contention between me and my son. People, are you going to take the vaccine? I said, no, I'm not. No, and if you want to take the vaccine, more power to you. But I am not taking the vaccine. Now, my mother's 95, and when COVID first came around and they started talking about a vaccine, and she said, I wonder if I should take it. I said, Mom, how many flu shots, you know, regular flu shots, how many of those have you had? She said, none. I said, how many times have you had the flu? She said, none. I said, that should be your answer right there. Evidently, you have an immune system. She doesn't ever even get colds. And she's 95. And so she has not had the vaccine, but all of her friends have had it. And they're so concerned about her. You know, she's always telling, I'm not getting that vaccine. My daughter hasn't had the vaccine, nor her children. And my son, who is the doctor, of course, has had it. But I knew something. Because the baby would not be having low oxygen. Okay, so the baby's been on oxygen all this time. I talked to my daughter yesterday, and she said that Wade had called her just to talk to her. And he mentioned that they were concerned that there might be some brain damage. And I am telling you that I broke into tears. It just overwhelmed me. And I don't cry easy. You know, my daughter, I'm I'm sure, was really sorry she said anything. She thought I knew because Wade and I are very close. But my beliefs, his beliefs, has put a breach, unfortunately, between us. When my children were little, I would pray over them before they left for school. I would cover them with a protective shield of the blood of Jesus. I would send angels with them to their classrooms. And, I mean, I prayed it, and in my mind, it was done. It was done. And we quit needing the doctor. They didn't go to doctors for regular checkups or anything. But I have been grieved over what I have been hearing with people who have taken the shot. A nurse told me this. Someone that she knew had proved. The mother waited until after the baby was born to get the shot. She goes home and nurses the baby, and the baby died. That grieves me for that family. Another mother of three children took the vaccine and died. This is shattering people's lives, and yet they still want everybody to get it. And okay, so yesterday I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was grieving. I mean, the tears just rolled, dropping off onto my chest. I, I couldn't control it. I was grieved to hear that her oxygen was low because we have healthy babies, okay? And we shouldn't be having a baby who's having low oxygen. I texted my son and I said, I am really so sorry that I did not use my voice, that I did not say What I felt needed to be said, I'm sorry that I did not beg, that I did not plead. And then I said, I'm just so sad, heartbroken, really. I don't know if they've done a brain. I don't know because I've stopped asking because I don't want to overstep my bounds. But I'm the grandmother. But still, you're casting your pearl before the swine. And then they will turn around and lacerate you. I'm not a hover mother. I know a lot of hover mothers who still want to be all up into their children's lives, even after they're adults. They don't give them the freedom to be adults. That's not good. I have told the story about when hell came to my house, when our son went into rebellion, and how it's like the devil picked up our house and shook it. And everything was in disarray. It, it really threw our home into chaos. And I was pretty much almost paralyzed by it spiritually. I mean, because everything I was believing, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Well, he departed. Clearly, he had departed as far as I was concerned. He was in trouble with the police. I mean, it, it, was, it just wrecked. Our peaceful home. And then that's when I realized I, I didn't know how to fight. I did. We've not been taught how to really fight the enemy when he shows up. Because God said to me, because every day, of course, I was crying out to God. Lord, my children, my children. And he said to me, did I say to you that if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, that you would ask me to move your mountain? And I thought about the scripture. No. You said, if I have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say, that's me, I am ye, ye shall say to the mountain. So where, where did we miss it? And that's when I began to realize we have not been properly trained how to fight the enemy. In fact, there's very little talk about the enemy. And the danger of that is everything is God. And it clearly is not. That's another thing. Look at the violence that has broken out and what they have done with the police. You know, sometimes my mom plays devil advocate. She asked me one time, well, don't you think God is in control of everything? I said, for me to believe that, I would have to believe that God was responsible. God authored those planes to fly into the Twin Towers. I said, is that what you're telling me? I said, I'm sorry. To me, that is absolute blasphemy. And I feel like I need to defend the God that I serve. That is not the God that I serve. But too many times we blame God. In fact, for years, I didn't understand what blasphemy was. So I look it up and it says, attributing the works of Satan to God. Well, it was very simple to me. If every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above, then what does that mean about every bad and imperfect gift? I'm very black and white in my belief. It's either black or white. So now, yesterday, I get this news, and I am so grieved over it. And I, I was kind of taken by surprise that these tears were just coming and coming and coming and coming and coming. And I was I'm at my mother's for a few days. And I remembered a scripture. A scripture came to me. The one that came to me was Matthew 2.18. It says, In Rama there was a voice heard, lamentation, and weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted because they are not. I did a teaching on that years ago, and it was about grief. Rachel would not be comforted. Now, sometimes if we allow the grief to stay too long, a spirit of grief will come in and set up household. And then you need deliverance to cast that thing out. But that's the way I felt. It was like I could not be comforted. So I looked up that scripture, Jeremiah thirty-one fifteen, But it says, Thus saith the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah. Lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel, weeping for her children, refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. Now the next scripture says, Thus saith the Lord, Restrain thy voice from weeping and thine eyes from tears, for thy work shall be rewarded, saith the Lord, and they shall come again from the land of the enemy. And there is hope in thine end, saith the Lord, that thy children shall come again to their own border. Isn't it interesting that that scripture is in Jeremiah 31, 15, but it's also in Matthew 2. So that's how long it was prophesied before it actually came to pass. But that described me yesterday. The weeping, the sorrow, it was just I mean, if I would have really just let go, I would have been wailing, you know. Of course, I still had things to do. I went to the store for my mother. And even when Mike got off work, I still couldn't really even talk. This morning, this is what the Lord said to me. He said, have you forgotten that you covered that baby every day with the blood of Jesus since she was conceived. And you sent angels to be with her in the womb to protect her from any evil. All of a sudden, I was like, I did forget that. In my sorrow, I forgot. And today, the difference between day and night Yes, the Lord reminded me. And yes, that's the end of the testimony. I did that, and I know that it was done. I know that baby was protected. I know the angels protected her. She's perfect. Her her vital signs or whatever her but, you know, my son said her, her oxygen is raising every day. Well, she's on oxygen, you know. But I I haven't said anything. I've just listened to the report. But now when God reminded me, I had covered her every day. Here is the scripture about the angels of children. It says in Matthew eighteen ten, Take heed, this is Jesus. That ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father who is in heaven. Their angels. So when I talk about having the angels be in the womb for her. Well, well, her her little angel is beholding the face of God. Always it says. That's comforting too. The reality of this. Why was Rachel crying? Because this is the other thing that just became so clear to me yesterday. The scripture about her and not being comforted because her children were not. You were not going to be able to comfort. She was not going to be able to be comforted because her baby was dead. And I looked and it, why? Why? you know of course i remembered why but i wanted to have it in my notes matthew 2:16 it says then herod when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in bethlehem and in all the coast thereof from two years old and under according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. So, there was a decree decree to kill all of those that were two years and under. There was another time in Moses' day. He was a baby. But it says, And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of one was Shephrah, and the name of the other was Puah. And he said, When you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, which they would give birth on, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God. And did not, as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have you done this thing and have saved the men children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women. Now I have a teaching on the curse of the woman. And this scripture is in it. Because the Hebrew women are lively. And they are delivered before the midwives can come in to them. The Egyptian women suffered longer. In verse 20, therefore, God dealt with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. Why is that? so that they could not reproduce. Pharaoh was afraid that they were having so many children that they would have more children, and that if a war ever broke out, they would be outnumbered. That was his whole fear. So he's going to kill off all these baby boys. okay? And also, there was Molech. And what they would do, those that worshipped Molech, would sacrifice their children to that god, Molech. Today, present day, Molech that is worshipped is abortion. And there are, are very strict consequences. It's it's really, a, you, you get a curse of death through abortion. And I have a teaching on that, if you ever want to look it up. You know, you don't get it. God sees everything. I think it's so comical. People, you know, they they hide and sneak away to commit adultery or homosexual acts or just fornication or whatever it is that they do. They hide like somebody's not going to see them. God sees everything. Everything. You don't have a place where you can really hide. Okay? And so, that's that's part of the agenda here is to... Heal and maim. It also is causing not only miscarriages, but sterility, infertility. These are some things that are really going to show up later. You think about how many children were damaged by vaccines that have all these different afflictions that they'll never be able to live on their own and without miracles from God which I believe I believe are there God is a miracle worker it's an agenda to kill and extinguish children When I saw that yesterday, Herod, that's why. You see, this this situation with my grandbaby, I don't believe, would even be in existence had it not been for the the shot. And then I I asked my son, I need to know, I, I have to ask now, did mommy get the shot? And he said, my son said yes a couple of months ago, which would have meant she was pregnant. When she got the shot. Now, another doctor I just heard on another video reported that his wife was eight months pregnant, took the shot, she lost the baby. So, to me, that is proof to me already that the prayers that I prayed when the baby was in the womb were active. Because she could have lost the baby, but she didn't lose the baby. And other women, pregnant women that had the shot, lost their babies. But she was not lost. My little granddaughter was not lost. And so when God reminded me of that, hey, did you forget? You covered her every day with the blood of Jesus. And you had the angels in the womb with her to protect her from evil. And my heart leapt with joy because now my confession is not, or even my belief or my expectations are not damaged. No, she's perfect. She's going to recover from this oxygen thing, and she's going to be perfect. God reminded me. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm standing on. That is my confession. So I pick back up now with another generation what I had to pick up with my son back when he was in rebellion. I will not fear evil tidings. My heart is fixed trusting in the Lord. That is Psalm 112, verse 7. I, will not, I would go to the phone and see Jasper Police, and I would say, I will not fear evil tidings. My heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Now, many of you that have heard my testimonies over the years, I had the son that went into rebellion, drugs. My daughter, rebellion and drugs. But all these years, I have known that, that at some point, because when I pray for them, I have a prayer for the prodigal children. And in that prayer, I would speak, not daily, but when God impressed upon me, this would come into my prayer. I speak supernatural maturity to every spiritual seed that was sown into them. And it's going to it's going to come to full maturity and they are going to be a force to be reckoned with. That has been my confession. My daughter had two children out of wedlock. She's engaged to be married. The man called my husband and asked if he could marry her. We're delighted. You know, as she is lining her life up with the word, she will be in a better position to receive blessings, more blessings, even though. She was on drugs for many years, and she went to the dentist recently, and she told the dentist, you know, I'm here. I've been checked out of life for like 15, 20 years, and it's probably a mess. And he said, how long did you say you were on drugs? She told him, and he said, your teeth are actually in pretty good shape. And she called and told me that, and I I said, see, even when you weren't taking care of yourself, God was taking care of you because she is His. And I am ready for more, more and more of the things that God has promised me over the years coming to pass. His promises are true. And even though it may take a long time, never give up. Never give up when you're standing on the promises. Okay, so... In all of this, you know, I I told my husband, I said, you know what, I just, I can't, I can't be quiet about this anymore. If people are dying because of this, they are following the voice of the world instead of the voice of God. And I just can't be quiet about it anymore. So I'm speaking out. I mean, I, I don't know who is out there listening I don't know what your stance is. My husband was concerned about, you know, you're going to offend people who lost people to COVID. Uh, Well, that's not my intention here. I know that that people died. I'm sorry that people died. But it's almost like, okay, here was my analogy. It's almost like this is the way I see it. Like a person is standing on a busy train track and they stand on it. And then call and say, hey, hey, um, I'm over here on this railroad track, and I know it's heavily traveled and everything, but would you please pray that I don't get hit by a train? Or even being hit by a train? And then calling for prayer that you don't die because of the injuries you got. I mean, it's that's how crazy this seems to me. And, you know, I listen to a... Um, a video the man said the most amazing thing because of course if you're against it and you believe all this then you're a conspiracy theorist his comment was this you know Noah was a conspiracy theorist until it rained they thought he was insane Building this big old boat, this is the shocking thing when I understood it, really. It had never rained before then. They didn't even know what a flood was. But God told him that the earth was going to be flooded. Now, he's telling people, and they think he's crazy. For many years, he was building that boat. But, you know, as soon as it was raining, and God shut the door of that ark, and only Noah and his family were in it. They didn't think he was so crazy anymore. And that's how I feel about this, this situation that has come to our earth. Who are you going to believe? Whose report are you going to believe? I believe when God told me that he would keep me. I it. I look back in history. In the Old Testament, when the plagues were poured out, his people were tucked away in Goshen. And they didn't suffer any of the stuff the rest of the world suffered. That's where I look. Even Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did not bow. And they were delivered out of that. And hey, didn't even have the smell of smoke on them. Not one hair singed. Wow. That's the God I serve. I just encourage you, if if you've had any doubts, get with God and talk to Him about it. And let him direct you what to do. I'm going to finish by praying a prayer. But the first one is a prayer against COVID-19 or any other infirmity. I'm a firm believer in Psalm 91 when it says no noise and pestilence. I looked up those words. It means any ill-smelling, infectious, contagious disease or virus. That covers it all. All. So why do we fear what might be out there? We shouldn't. He shed every drop of his blood that we could be made whole. And I don't want to defile my body with chemicals. Do you know what I heard for the first time today? There is antifreeze, which is highly poisonous, in the vaccines to keep them from freezing. And there is a lot of other stuff. There's also that drug that they use to kill people on death row, that injection. There's some of that in there, too. Why? They put stuff in there that that doesn't even need to be in there. It is a Frankenstein thing. And here's the other thing that was so shocking when I think about my son. You know, there have been some things along the way that, some um, some in the family might have taken for one reason or another. I wouldn't take that, he says. It has not been approved by FDA. Well, neither has this shot. And they are selling it to every. They're paying people to get it. That ought to tell you something. They're going to pay you to get it? They're telling college kids they don't have to take their final exams if they will take the shot. Take a look at this. And Protect your body that God gave you. He made you. Let him take care of your body. It says that we are not to trust the arm of man. This is the arm of man. So, if you haven't taken it, please don't. It's poison. It says in Galatians 5.16, it lists the things. And one of those things is sorcery. That we are not supposed to partake in. Do you know what the, the word for sorcery is? It's witchcraft. Do you know what the word for witchcraft is? Pharmakeia. You know what pharmakeia means? Anyone who uses a drug or a potion. A poisoner is what it says. A poisoner. Pharmaceuticals. That's where we get the word for pharmaceuticals. Pharmacist poison. It's heinous. It's wicked. And I saw yesterday, I saw, because he is our president, standing in this place saying, everybody needs to get, everybody needs, everybody needs. I saw him as Herod. No different than Herod giving the decree to go out and kill all the children under the age of two. When women come up sterile, unable to bear children, there's going to be weeping. They will not be comforted when they cannot do what God gave us to do, was to be fruitful and multiply. So um, that's my plea. That's my passionate plea to everyone is don't do it. Trust God with your life. Trust God with your body. He made it. Let him keep it. Commit it to him. It's part of our inheritance, truly. Okay, so here's the prayer. I want to pray for anyone who may have any other infirmity. You can, you can receive this tonight for whatever ailment you have, whatever affliction. So, Father, in Isaiah 53, it is written, By your stripes we are healed. In Psalm 103, it is written that you took all our sickness and disease and redeemed our lives from destruction. In Psalm 91, it is written that no noise and pestilence and that's any ill-smelling, infectious, contagious disease or virus would come near our tent. And that though a thousand shall fall at our side and ten thousand fall at our right hand It shall not come near us. And when the plagues were poured out over the Egyptians, your people were in Goshen, tucked away in safety, and the plagues did not touch them. We thank you, Father, that Luke 10.19 tells us that you've given us power over all the power of the enemy, that nothing by any means should harm us. And this Virus, this conspiracy is a plague. So, right now, we cover ourselves and our loved ones with a protective shield of the powerful, shed, and resurrected blood of Jesus Christ. We speak death to any viral, bacterial, or fungal infection that would try to invade our bodies. And if by chance they're in our bodies already, we command them to get out in the name of Jesus. I bind and break the power of the spirit of death, destruction, and infirmity in Jesus' name. I rebuke fever in Jesus' name, and I command it to cease and desist now. I speak to headaches and command you, in the name of Jesus, go. Loose them. Or if you're praying it for yourself, loose me and let me go. Let them go. I speak to every air sac in their lungs. Receive oxygen in the name of Jesus. Pneumonia, go. In the name of Jesus. Nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, go. In the name of Jesus, weakness and fatigue be gone. In the name of Jesus, every symptom and every manifestation leave their body now in Jesus name. And in the name of Jesus, I speak a reversal to any damage that has been done in their body and say, body be healed, be made whole. In the mighty name of Jesus, our healer, I speak resurrection, life, strength, divine health, and vitality to their body in Jesus' name. I now bind and break the power of the spirit of fear, fear of death, and fear of COVID that has been unleashed on humanity and command them to get out of them and me now. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, Second Timothy one seven, but of power and of love, First John four eighteen, and a sound mind, 1 Corinthians two sixteen. Lord, in 2 Corinthians twelve seven through nine, when Paul asked to be relieved from the affliction given him from the messenger of Satan, you told him. My grace is sufficient for thee. And that didn't mean he was going to give grace for him to suffer with it. No. He meant what I did on the cross is sufficient. So right now, I receive and apply to my body and to their bodies that are listening. That grace that is sufficient that you poured out on the cross for my complete healing I pray for, you fill in the blank, who was given or whose loved one was given the COVID vaccine because of his or her occupation. We cover them with the precious, powerful, protective, healing blood of Jesus Christ. In fact, we apply this prayer to every vaccine we have ever been given And we bind and break the power of every harmful ingredient in that vaccine and speak neutralization to them. And we speak death and destruction to any and all foreign DNA and cause it to remain dormant forever. We speak destruction to any and all transmitters and receptors of any kind, neuro or electromagnetic, etc. We stand on Mark sixteen eighteen that says, If we ingest any deadly thing, it will not harm us. We believe and trust the word of your power, Hebrews 1, 3. We bind any and every ill side effect of that vaccine and forbid it to manifest in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We bind, root out, pull down, destroy and throw down every evil. Plot and plan of Satan designed in that vaccine against humanity. And we thank you, Lord, that we do not have to fear the evil tidings because we trust in you. A thousand may fall at our side and ten thousand at our right hand, but the evil shall not come near us. Psalm 91.7, Satan, we bind you, rebuke you, and render you powerless over our lives and the lives of our children and our grandchildren. And we thank you, Jesus, for giving us that authority. And I thank you for it. I receive it right now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
0: Amen. Very powerful, Carla. I've got Carla's information linked in the description below CarlaButa.com. And we're out of time. And I thank everyone for listening over there at Global Star Radio. And a shout out to everyone at Worldwide Christian Radio. We'll see you real soon. Good night and God bless you.